Okay, the mime we're going to learn is from Purim, Tavshandal and Mem, 1984. And it's based on a mime of the previous Rebbe from Tavshin from um, 1940. And it's on a verse in the Megillah. Megillah says that a was having a hard time falling asleep. And he asked for the Royal Chronicles to be brought to him. And they're brought to him, and he reads about Mordechai uh, saving his life. And then the next uh, part of the Megillah is about how he wants to honor Mordechai, and um, and Haman is the one he commands to give this honor to Mordechai. And this continues with um, Haman uh, being invited to, to the feast with Esther and her... Esther exposing his plot to annihilate the Jewish people and the subsequent miracle where Haman and um, his sons are all killed. So let's go right to it. On that night, the king's sleep was disturbed. And the Rebbe, my father-in-law, brings in his mimer, which starts with the same words, the Isim Maril. That when the reader gets to the words on that night, he has to raise his voice. Why? Because that is the main miracle. That from those words and on, that is when the main miracle occurs. That's what it says in the Maharil. But the previous Rebbe asks a question about this. Seemingly, the main miracle is how Esther comes before Achashverish and she says to him how she and her people are, um, are going to be killed and her beseeching the king to protect the Jewish people. In the mind of the previous Rebbe, that's the uh, question. The question is, the, the main miracle should have been about Esther's approach to Achashverosh, putting out the royal scepter, and her uh, beseeching him. And the Rebbe adds, there is another component to Esther's approach to the king, and that is that before she approached the king, she asked Mordechai to gather all the Jewish people together to fast and to pray. And the reason why Hashem saved the Jewish people, and the reason why Achashverosh um, listened to her, was because of their praying and fasting. And as it says in note number six, that uh, the year after Purim, there was a letter of Purim that was sent out, a second letter of Purim. And this letter said that the Jewish people should celebrate Purim. They should celebrate what happened. And how should they celebrate? They should remember They should remember the fasts. They should remember their cries. In other words, a major component of the miracle is indeed Esther beseeching Achashverosh. And that's what the previous Rebbe asks. And the Rebbe adds the question and says, parallel to this um, uh, uh, visit of Esther to Achashverosh is the visit of the Jewish people to the king of all kings and fasting and praying and that also 
could be counted as the main component of the miracle. The fact that Jewish people come and they pray and they, and they daven and they fast, that's what brought Esther to, to be successful. So this, this is not what the Yalkut says. The Yalkut says, The Yalkut says the main power of the miracle is the king sleeping disturbed. So we understand why is it that the reader has to raise his voice and he gets the words, on that night the king of sleep is disturbed because that's the main miracle. Seemingly the main miracle could be um, explained in many other ways. Um, it seems the main miracle is Esther's approach to Achashverosh, Achashverosh listening to her. Or the, uh, what brought that about, the Jewish people gathering together and praying and fasting. Maybe as the previous Rebbe brings as an answer, the Isabi Yalkut, Belaylahu, To answer this, he brings the teaching of the Yalkut. Yalkut says, when it says in the Megillah, on that night the king's sleep was disturbed, it's not only talking about Achashverish, the Yalkut says it's referring to the king of all kings. Hashem's sleep was disturbed. And then the Yalkut asks, one second, if we're saying, Good morning, Chaim Peretz. Good morning, morning. If you're saying the king's sleep is disturbed, that means Hashem is in a state of sleep. Does Hashem sleep? So the Yalkut answers, When the Jewish people sin, so Hashem makes himself, he pretends, so to speak, to be asleep, and they do Hashem's will, then he shall not sleep. The, the guardian of Israel, as it says in Tehillim, does not sleep or slumber. When we do the will of Hashem, then he does not sleep. And when we do not do the will of Hashem, then Hashem pretends to sleep. Yes, the words are pretend, but there is some kind of sleep that is happening, some kind of way that Hashem is governing the world, which is called sleep. And what was unique about the miracle of Purim is that... Um, that the Abishter, um, that his, his sleep was disturbed. That although there was a sleep by the Jewish people, nevertheless, though it was night, it was a night time, it was a time of the exile, and we were asleep during the exile, we're not awake in the Termitsis. Nevertheless, Hashem's sleep was disturbed. What does this mean? In the Adam it says that the Jewish people are called man, and the Hebrew word for man comes to the word Adama, which means similar. The Jewish people are called similar to Hashem. Adam we are similar to Hashem. And therefore, whatever happens in heaven is in a similar manner the way they experience by human being in this world. We're called man. We're called similar. We are compared to Hashem. And so therefore, whatever happens in Shemayim is, is a reflection of what's happening with us. What's happening in heaven is like what's happening on earth. As the Pasuk says, just like water reflects your face, to, so too does the heart of one person is reflecting the heart of another. On the surface, this verse is talking about two people. That uh, when you 
feel love for someone, how much more so if you show love to someone, they will feel love to you back. But here, the uh, chassidus, in many places, like in this discourse, explains that this is referring to Hashem. That the way we, our heart is to Hashem, that's why Hashem's heart is revealed to us. When the Jewish people are in a state of sleep, when we're in a state of sleep, then that causes a state of sleep in Shemaim, that the Abishter, Hashem, so to speak, acts to us in, as if he's asleep. Hashem acts to us as if he is asleep. What in us is compared to Hashem? We are compared to Hashem in the things that we do that are spiritual. Our terimitzes are compared to Hashem. So when our when the component in our lives it, that is compared to Hashem is that's godly, that is Hashem's will and Hashem's wisdom that's godly. When that's in a state of a sleep by us that we're not into it, we're just doing this, you know, in a lackadaisical way. So then that causes Hashem to, to be in a state of sleep. Because we have other things that we do that are not compared to Hashem. But what causes an impact in Hashem, it's the things that we do that are like, that are godly. So our um, termitzis, which is our, our godly component, when that's in a state of sleep, that's, that's what causes the Abisha to be in a state of sleep. says in the I am asleep. And the Zohar says that this is referring to Hashem. That in the time of exile, so to speak, Hashem is in a state of sleep. Because the Jewish people are in a state of sleep and during the time of the exile, this causes Hashem also to be asleep. And this is why the main miracle is that the king's sleep was disturbed on that night. Because according to the order of the entire spiritual cosmos, the order is that the time of exile is supposed to be a time of sleep by Hashem. And the fact that during the exile, Hashem's sleep is disturbed, although it's the time of the exile, and according to the order, of holiness, according to the order of the worlds, according to the order of the entire spiritual cosmos, it's supposed to be a time of sleep, and yet the Abisha's sleep is disturbed. That's a big miracle. Um, let's look at note 17 for a second. On the surface, what's stronger? There's things which are natural in this world, and there are things which are like natural in the higher worlds. What is a stronger nature? The things which are Natural in this world, or things which are natural in the higher worlds? The higher worlds, of course. There's a stronger nature there. So, look at note 17. The Rebbe discusses their Shabbos Agol, the Shabbos for Pesach. It says that a big miracle happened that Shabbos. What was a big miracle? The um, Egyptian firstborn heard how. Um, Hashem had said that uh, the Jewish people are going to be freed and all the firstborn Egyptians are going to die. And so they said to Pari, this isn't really good for us, we're firstborn. 
So we want the Jews to be freed so that we could stay alive. So Pari says, no deal. No, they're, they're going to stay as slaves. And don't worry. And they said, we are worried. You better free them. And so a war ensued. And many, many Egyptians were killed through the war of the firstborn against, against Pare and against his armies. So that was a big miracle. So the Rebbe asked on that tzicha, what do you mean? That's not a miracle. It's natural. They saw the miracle of the plague of blood. All the water of Egypt turns into blood. Uh, the, all the water of the Nile River turns into blood. And they see the frogs and they saw the lice. They have to be foolish not to think they're going to die. It's just natural to expect that whatever Hashem says is, is going to happen. They saw it nine times already. Whatever Hashem says is going to happen. So their fear that they're going to get killed is, 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 is a human, natural fear. It's justified. It's natural. So why is it called a um, miracle? We say it's called Shabbos HaGodol because a very big miracle happened. Why is it a miracle? It's natural. So there the Rebbe says like this, The um, change in the nature of heaven is a bigger miracle than the change of nature in this world. The Egyptians are, they get their nourishment from the opposite of holiness. The firstborn Egyptians, they get their nourishment from, they get the, they're the strength of the evil. They're the strength of the opposite of holiness. They're the firstborn. Even when they're in a state of um, saying, let the Jews be free, they're still, what are they? They are klippa. They're something which opposes and conceals holiness. Something which fights against holiness. So the fact that there is a change in their nature represents a change in the nature of klippa, the nature of evil. That evil is now fighting for the side of good. That's a huge miracle. So it's... It, the, the, the change of the nature of heaven is a far bigger miracle than the change of nature on earth. And that's the reason why this miracle of the uh, of the war of the Egyptians against of the Egyptian firstborn against Pare is called a big miracle, and the Shabbos before Pesach is called the big Shabbos. Because there was a change in the nature of holiness. As the Rebbe says over there. So now you can understand why the king's sleep being disturbed is not just a miracle, but it's, a, it's the strength of the miracle. It's a powerful miracle. miracle. Why is it considered such a big miracle? Because the change in the nature of Shemayim, change in the nature of heaven. The nature of heaven is that during the time of the exile, the Abishur, so to speak, pretends to sleep. And as we'll see, when you're asleep, you don't hear, you don't see. So Hashem doesn't act as if He doesn't hear our cries. So the king being disturbed, the king sleeping disturbed during the time of the Golos, during the time of the exile, it's not just that it's changed what happens here, it's a change in the nature of heaven. And that's why it's called a big miracle. It's a golos. Golos is supposed to be a time where there's not, where, where there's not this kind of response. It's supposed to be a state of sleep. And the Abishter to respond to us and listen to us and bring this miracle is a change of the normal order of the exile. And that's why it's called a huge miracle. Uh, back, and back into the Mimer. There's also the meaning of the words of the Megillah, the king's sleep was disturbed. 
Nodad means to, um, to, to be moved from one place to another. Like it says about Cain, for example, he was Nod and Nod. He had to go from place to place. He had to be uprooted from place to place. So if you're uprooted from one place and brought to another place, that means you're supposed to be somewhere else. So it says that the king's sleep was uprooted. That means it was meant to not be uprooted. Something changed. The king's sleep was disturbed. The sleep left the king. The king lost the sleep. What that means is that what should have happened is you should have been asleep. Just like we see about a person, he left his place. He should have been in his place. He has his home. He has his place. And now it was, he was moved from his home. So the, so the king... Going, the sleep going away from the king is actually that that language indicates that it was that things should have been different that naturally he should have been asleep. So how does that translate in regards to the um, higher worlds, the king, the sleep of the king of all kings? Because the time of the exile is a time of sleep. The miracle was that the sleep departed from Hashem, that Hashem didn't sleep, even though it is a time of sleep, and therefore the natural thing would be that Hashem should sleep, yet, although this is a time of sleep, he went away from the nature of the time of the exile, and he, um, and he saved the Jewish people. That's the miracle. It's a time of sleep, and it should have been a time of sleep, it's a time of Golas, and yet the Abishter did this miracle where he departs from the normal order and he's not in a state of sleep. That's why it says he moved away from the sleep. Not in the Shnasavah. The king's sleep was disturbed. It should have been a time of sleep, but it, but, it, but it wasn't. So that's, um, that's why it's considered a big miracle. The question is this. In the mind we're going to learn, there was something that triggered Hashem's sleep being disturbed. What triggered it? Our Messiah's Nefesh. Messiah's Nefesh is the Jewish people the fact that we woke up and we said to Hashem that we said to Mordechai, we're with you that are, that are alive and we don't want to let go of the term mitzvahs. And we said this, uh, and we didn't just say it, we did this. We gathered in public to turn to mitzvahs. That's what caused Hashem's sleep to be disturbed because we had mitzvahs nefesh, we had sacrifice. So the question is, why is it then called a miracle? It's, it should have been a natural response. We're saying that, that the Abish is a damalelian that a person is similar to Hashem, what happens to us is something which, which naturally affects what's happening in heaven. So if our sleep is disturbed, if we're not in a state of sleep, then of course Hashem's sleep is disturbed. Why does the Mimer say that this was considered a miracle? So the answer is this. Dr. Bressman has a great story about this. But uh, before, you, before, you, before you share the story, let me just tell you, the, I, I would like to ask you to share the story if you're up to it. <laughs> Um, the, the story is the, the, the idea is this: Tzadik Tanya, that the most irreverent person is ready to give his life rather than sever his bond with Hashem. That's Tanya. Um, and the Rebbe Rashab explains that even when that person is given the choice to go on the guillotine or to uh, or to reject his faith, um, and he, and he chooses to go on the guillotine, he still remains an irreverent person. Although there's a major change in his very core, but that doesn't mean that 
he he is now embracing all termites. Doesn't mean all of a sudden, just because he's made this major choice in his life, he wants to give his life to Hashem, doesn't mean that he's keeping Shabbos, keeping kosher. And so if, let's say, he is he's somehow um, released from this um, um, from this challenge, he he doesn't all of a sudden become this very religious person. There's something that, yes, that Rashab says every fiber of his being has changed because he's had this, this, this moment of sacrifice. But the change isn't, isn't apparent. Not in his mind, not in his heart, not in his action. And so it's possible to have mysterious nefesh, to have absolute sacrifice for Hashem, to give your life for Hashem. And yet things go on business as usual. Let's celebrate the uh, Hashem saved me from the guillotine. Let's go to McDonald's. That, yeah. uh, that's the one Dr. Bresman to share. Bechavar Dr. Bresman. Tell us the story. I, uh, I was uh, in Catalina, a place called Goat Harbor, and long story short, I got hit by a uh, motorboat. Um, I was swimming in the water. I heard this loud sound. I didn't know what it was. It was deafening. I looked up. I could not see the sky. The head of the, the, the bow of the motorboat was over my head. It was wow. speeding. I quickly ducked my head in, and luckily for me, I was able to get propped, you know, when the motor cuts you, just above the buttocks, but I survived, and I had to be airlifted. You, you were propped? Yeah, in other words, the, the, the propeller of the motorboat's called a prop, Oh. so that cut into me, <laughs> that, that cut into me in the, just, uh, just below the belt. Wow. And uh, on my backside, and um, long story short, I, I bled horribly, and uh, I, I had to be airlifted into Huntington Memorial. I mean, uh, yeah, Huntington Memorial, not Huntington Memorial. Um, it's a hospital in Long Beach. Um, I had to be airlifted there, and I lost half the blood in my body. Wow. And then when uh, I finally recovered from all that, that was during the period of AIDS, and so I didn't want a transfusion, and it was, it was, you know, it was whatever. And uh, so my wife and kids came to pick me up, and uh, my kids uh, said, how is the food in the hospital? I said, horrible. And they said, look, Dad, there's a McDonald's. <laughs> and I just said, great. <laughs> you know? And we walked, uh, we drove in there, and my wife ordered some hamburgers, you know. And uh, somehow they got the order mixed up, and I gave us cheeseburgers. And I said, that's enough. That's enough. i got to change now, you know. And that's, that's the story. Because he gave you cheeseburgers instead of hamburgers, you're like, that's it. Well, we thought we were kind of sneaking our way through by just saying hamburgers. Right. But when it was a cheeseburger, there's no way to sneak that way through. Ah, you know? ah, ah, ah. <laughs> right. So, right. So, so, so you, you did feel like Hashem saved your life and, and you wanted to do connect, connect to Hashem, but still McDonald's was okay. Right. <laughs> In fact, McDonald's is a great idea, right? Oh, great idea. McDonald's is a great idea. How else do you celebrate that Hashem's salvation with, with, uh, without yeah. a Big Mac? I mean, yeah. that's Big Mac. That's what you celebrate. And that, and then, but then, but then you realize, no, no, not 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 cheeseburger, and and yeah. and, and that and that and that send you towards kosher. Right. So so that's what, so, so that's why the the mimer is saying that's why the, the, although we had Mr. Nefesh, it's still considered a miracle that King Sleep is a It's still considered unusual. Why is it unusual? Because we woke up on some things. We didn't wake up on everything. If we would have woke up on everything, Mashiach would have come, and that would have been the end of the exile. The fact the exile continued means it wasn't a full wake-up. It was just Mashiach's nefesh, it was sacrifice for some things, but not everything. And that's why Mashiach didn't come then. 
And that's why it's considered a miracle that despite the fact that we're still in some sleep-like state, we were maybe like, maybe we could use the analogy of sleepwalking. We were asleep, but we were awake, and we we weren't 100% there, and that was enough. And, and that son's response was that he rescued us and he brought this the, the miracle of, of Purim, and his, the king's sleep was disturbed from what it normally is during the time of exile when Hashem acts towards us as if he is asleep. And here the miracle was that with our, with our little mysterious nefesh, or the little devotion to Hashem going beyond our, ourselves, that triggered this, this divine response. Although we didn't go all the way. Chaim.